Akash, I was taking a look at JW Broadcasting for September 2022, and I have to say that it's particularly difficult when you're able to identify the misleading information or the half-truths, but it's especially difficult, I would say, in my opinion, when the leaders of the Jehovah's Witness organization are accusing the media and accusing of people that do similar work to what I do or accusing just about the entire world, the entire world as being the people that make up half-truths. It's, it's hard because it's irritating. <laughs> you know what they're doing. You know they're misconstruing facts you know that they're twisting the bible you could see the half truths the misinformation you see the tribal mentality mentality that they're creating and it's frustrating it really is but i think that many people that uh commit to similar work to what we do on this podcast i think they do it amongst other reasons or maybe might be the main reason to help other people. So that trumps, that trumps any kind of nonsense that that we have to decipher, we have to rummage through just to be able to find facts. So JW Broadcasting this month was something else. Stephen Lett comes out of the gate talking against apostates, what he calls apostates, or what his religion and, and himself call apostates. And he goes on this rant about how apostates are selling misinformation or apostates are selling half-truths, which is the recipe that he utilizes, the recipe that he uses to manipulate people in his religion and new converts. So it's it was a bit frustrating to hear him say words and expose the recipe that he utilizes. He even signals the media as being facilitators in misinformation against his religion. And as always, he's very general. He's very vague because he won't describe or he won't go into detail what exactly the media is saying about him and his conspirators, his seven other leaders of, the, of his religion. So he's he's very broad and he's very general. And there's a reason that cult leaders do this. It's a tactic that they use. He is trying to fight back against media reports that have exposed this religion for hiding child sex abuse. And in order to do that, he is trying to create a straw man argument. So he says his religion is being accused of Protecting pedophilia, which is not the accusation. See, it, it tiptoes around the reports, and that, which is what he's trying to do. He's not trying to get into details about what the accusations are, but he wants to be as vague as possible, and he wants to create a straw man argument because no one, no one is accusing him of this. What he is being accused, him and his conspirators, the other leaders, and the, the leadership of this religion is of hiding, hiding these criminal acts, which is very different. But let's let the man speak. Let's see what he has to say, and let's see what we can gather from their latest propaganda video.
And we're going to start by allowing him to speak and explain who exactly he really is. There are a few verses in the Bible that he utilizes out of context to try to explain what he considers a divine justification, a godly chosen position that he holds on this earth. Who really is the faithful and discreet slave whom his master appointed over his domestics to give them their food at the proper time? Happy is that slave if his master on coming finds him doing so. Truly I say to you, he will appoint him over all his belongings. So this is a verse in the Bible from Matthew 24, 45. And Stephen Lett uses this verse to try to explain his divine position on this earth, his divinely chosen position on this earth as a member of the governing body, as a member of the faithful and discreet slave, which is a term that you'll find in the Bible, in their Bible, worded this way. In other Bibles, it'll be different. But he words it this way in his Bible, and he says that he is the faithful and discreet slave. He is what he considers a prophecy by Jesus Christ at the end of Matthew 24 that explains in the in the 20th century, which is the previous century, the chosen leaders of this organization, chosen leaders that would be providing propaganda and media and publications for their members before the time in which Jesus Christ comes. So he thinks that this is real. He thinks that this is what this is his license. This is his credentials to running the Watchtower Bible and Track Society Bible <laughs> Bible producing company. But what he doesn't say is that this this is not a prophecy. It's an illustration. It's an illustration that Jesus utilized to explain how a person that actually has faith in him, a person that, and I'm talking about just any Christian, a Christian that has faith in him and is waiting for his coming, waiting for his Lord, will act as a faithful slave, will act as a faithful recipient of the good news, and will be on the watch. Jehovah's Witnesses do not like this. Stephen Lent does not like the explanation that Jesus Christ gave. So what he does is he misconstrues, he misconstrues this verse in the Bible, Matthew 24, 45, and he takes away details that complete the context of Matthew 24, 45. For example, Luke, Luke 12, 42, clearly says that this is a comparison. This is a comparison. Mark 13, 34 says that when Jesus was speaking on this instance, he was asked a question by Peter. Peter said, you know, hey, who are you talking to? Are you talking to us, the, the disciples, the 12 disciples, or are you talking just in general? You, you got advice for everybody, or is this just for us, the chosen 12? Who, who are you talking to? And Jesus Christ says, I am talking to everyone. Mark 13, 37, I am talking to everyone. So we understand the reason that he's talking to everyone adds, it only adds to the fact that this is an illustration because had it been a prophecy, 
wouldn't he had described it? Wouldn't he have stopped as he did in many instances? And you know what, guys? I'm going to explain this to you. It was just an illustration. It was an illustration because it had to do with everyone, not just the 12 apostles, not the, just, just the chosen people, which Stephen Lett likes to think of himself a sort of modern-day kind of chosen person from God. But it's an illustration. And illustrations, Mark 13, 37, are meant for everyone. Luke 12, 42 are comparisons, are parables, are hyperboles. They're, they're illustrations that Jesus Christ used as a method to teach people. This was not a prophecy. Stephen Lent does not like this. So he explains it this way. We know the master Jesus found the faithful and discreet slave spiritually feeding right-hearted ones in 1919 and at a future time will appoint him over all his belongings. So what's the implication? Obviously, even now, Jesus fully trusts the faithful slave. And all of us, even individual members of the governing body, should do the same. I think we can see why he's so adamant about the way he explains this verse in the Bible. Because he wants, and he said it himself, he wants obedience. He wants people, including people in his ranks, to understand that they are the faithful and discreet slave. The faithful and discreet slave has absolute totalitarian power over all the members, the 8 million plus members that are in this organization. If they say jump, you jump. When they say crawl, you crawl. And what is it that they ask? They ask you to adhere to insane doctrines. So there will never be any let up on this doctrine. He is always going to explain it this way because it's the only story we find in the Bible that he latches on to justify his position. Now, there is another one that they use in Acts 15, but to, to describe the, the existence of the governing body in the first century, which, again, is verses out of context, a far stretch uh, uh, of verses in the Bible to explain who he is and the power that he has and should have in this religion. Again, when you're able to manipulate the Bible and make it stretch into the in, into these impossible contortions that, that he and uh, his... The other leaders of this religion are so skillful at using. You're able to make the Bible speak whatever you want it to say. And this is what he does. But there are, there are people that don't see things the way he sees them. And of these people, he is not content. He's not happy. So of these people, instead of saying, hey, go and check out what these other people have to say, um... Let's think objectively on the matter. Let's use our critical thinking and see if what I'm saying is nonsense or makes sense. Instead of saying that, he says this. But what does the voice of strangers say on this subject? Don't trust the faithful slave. He will mislead you. And who often have the loudest voice promoting this false message? Apostates. Hebrews 13.9 labels false messages as strange teachings. Okay, 
This is what I mean about what we talked about in the introduction. Stephen Lett is very skillful at using what I call this sort of drive-by use of the Bible. So he drives by, you know, there's do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, and he takes off before you can even shoot back, before you can even respond. There is no context. You don't know where it's coming from, but it comes, and he's gone before you can even create a rebuttal. Hebrews 13.9. He quotes this verse in the Bible completely out of context. He is using this verse to support his modern-day idea of this tribal mentality that he has, that there is an us versus them. There is a him, the governing body member, versus what he calls apostates, versus a group of people that are out to get him, a boogeyman. It's, it's ridiculous. Hebrews 13.9 he says, means that there are people teaching strange teachings, people teaching uh, bad teachings, not his teachings, because his are the good ones, right? What is the context? Hebrews 13.9 is a letter written to the Jewish people, many consider by Paul, written to the Jewish people about what? About... Guys, we used to do, we used to be under the, the, the covenant of Moses. We were under that pact. Those times have now passed. We are under a new covenant, a deal, a new deal. And that's what you find in the first nine chapters about the new covenant. Uh, the animal sacrifices are now in the past. We don't have to worry about the seventh day, the... I'm sorry, the seventh year, the 10%, all the, the, you know, killing the animals for sacrifices, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff's in the past. Chapters 10 to 11 talks about encouragement about, uh, I'm sorry, 10, 11, 12 talks about encouragement. You know, I know it's hard being a Jewish person, becoming uh, in this new way to be under Christ. It, I know it's hard. People hate us. You know, they might want to kill you for it. But you know, it, I, I, you know, guys, I tell you, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. You know, you're going to get a two for one. And that's what chapter 10 to 12 is. But 13, 13, the chapter that he quotes, 13, 9, don't be carried away by all kinds of unfamiliar teachings. What he doesn't say is the rest of that verse, because it's not convenient. What's the rest of the verse? New Living Translation, or whatever, New King James Version, if you want. Okay, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, period. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. What is that saying? The verse is explaining that there was a time where the Jews considered certain foods, certain foods of profit, a profit that they were good for them. For what? For worship. <laughs> Apparently, history tells us that the Jews were big fanatics about thinking that certain foods just made them holier. Well, those times have passed is what Paul is trying to explain. It's not about what you eat that makes you clean now. I got a new thing. I'm selling a new thing for you guys, and that's faith. Faith will clean you. Say, well, you know, what about uh, what about the, the you know the lamb? I, I just prepared the lamb. Forget the lamb. What about the little bird? Forget the little bird. 
It's about faith. And if you have some faith, you can be clean. New Deal sounds a lot better, but it's very hard for them to understand. This is a new concept for them, especially the people that didn't get front row seats to Jesus, you know, tour for three years. They, you know, they, they, they weren't there. So these Jewish people find it a little difficult. The context is that. The context is that the strange t- doctrines, the strange teachings that Paul mentioned, these are strange ways of understanding the law of Moses. He is not talking about a publishing company in New York in the 20th, in the 19th, in the 21st century, in the 20, yeah, in the 21st century so far. He is not talking about this. The strange doctrines, or the Bible say the new ideas, the strange new ideas, strange teachings, other Bibles say, these are the strange ways of understanding the ways of Christ and the strange ways of understanding the law of Moses. The law of Moses has now passed, and they are under a new deal. The law, the covenant of Jesus Christ, which is the new deal, and now in this new deal, Apparently, there's this thing called faith that will liberate you, that will clean you. You don't have to worry about these foods, these rules and these foods that you used to go to just to be clean in the eyes of God. Again, Stephen Lent does not like this verse in context because it doesn't benefit him. So what does he say? Yes, they are the teachings of strangers. Some examples of their strange teachings are that the faithful slave protects pedophiles, or that slave will exploit you so they can live lives of luxury. Can you see how he's using this verse out of context just to support and protect himself? These are not the strange ideas. These are not the foods in which Hebrews 13.9 is talking about. But he has managed to skillfully use this verse to explain away his existence, to explain away things that are being said about him that he doesn't like, things that the media says about him that he doesn't like, things that newspapers say about him, things that now um, social networks are showing that he does not like. So what he uses is he uses the Bible to explain away his existence and explain away what he calls strange ideas. He found this, this, these two words in the Bible. He put them together and he said, ah, here it is. I can use this to manipulate people and defend myself. Those are both bald-faced lies. Acts 20.30 says that apostates speak twisted things. They do this in order to draw God's sheep away and make them followers of themselves. All right, we, <laughs> all right, we have to stop him again. Acts 20, 30, that he again quotes here. Just because you quote the Bible doesn't mean it's beneficial for you. It doesn't mean you know what it's saying. You know, I myself struggle at times to understand parts of what the Bible says, but I try and take uh, uh, an objective point of view and, you know, invest an effort into trying to understand what it means. No one is perfect, right? We don't know everything, but for the most part in the experience that I have had with the Bible, 
most of it is not difficult to understand. Most of it is clear cut. There's songs, there's poems, there's there's little literal history, and then you have other things that are symbolic, and those can be difficult to understand what they mean. Fortunately, most of the symbolic things it talks about already happen, but there are symbolic things that it talks about that we don't know. We simply don't know, and that would be the humble stance to take. We don't know what it means. People like Stephen Lett, they know they know everything. <laughs> they know what all the prophecies mean, and they, they all point to him and his street cred and why he should be a chosen <laughs> vessel of God. But humble people, they, they can genuinely say, we do not know. We, we have hints of what it points to, but apparently the most important message in the Bible is not what you know, but the things that your heart can teach you, the ways it can teach you, the, the, the principles that you learn. You know, the, there is no verse in the Bible that says you're going to be castigated, you're, you're going to be reprimanded for how much you know in the Bible. This, is, this just doesn't exist. So again, we're, we're, we'll talk about Acts 20.30 that he, that he cites here. He says that in Acts 20.30, it talks about apostates. That's a half-truth. I'm sorry. That's a half-truth. So it does say that uh, Acts 20.30 in the NIV says that even from your own numbers, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So this was just a, hey, watch out, from Paul the Apostle. So he says that, there will be a time, there will be a time that may come where even amongst yourselves, people will arise and they will try to distort the message. This is true. Paul himself had to uh, fight against this very thing, against uh, people that were possessed and against people that were teaching the wrong things. He, he did have to do this. He did that in one case against a, a sorcerer, would mention in some Bibles, others would probably mention in another way. But this is what how he explains it. Um, yeah, so he had to battle against that. So what he's, but what Stephen Lett is saying here is that this is a verse again of modern times, that today people would arise out of his religion, not out of the Catholic religion, not out of the Baptist, not out of the Pentecostal. It's only his religion. And out of his religion would come out people and would talk against his religion. And anything they said would be wrong. This is this <laughs> this is just this is a bold faced line right here. Because there are people that have come out of his, his religion, and yes, there are people that, that lie about against him, but when you have facts that are fact checked that uh, are scrutinized, that are objective, uh, and by critical thinkers, this is not a lie. This is not a lie. What's a lie is that he's saying that everything that they say about him is a lie. That's, uh, that is a lie right there. So we have to check him on that, and we also have to check him on Acts 20.30. So he can't just use it in his benefit because anyone could just use it against him as well. What it says, even from your own number, uh, on your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Why couldn't we use Acts 20.30 to explain away why people have drawn away from Christ, such as Stephen Lett? Stephen Lett says you don't have to listen to Christ because his doctrine, this doctrine that he's explaining in the, uh, of the faithful and discreet slaves, says that you have to follow him. 
right? You have to follow Stephen Lent and his seven other members in, in the leadership positions of the, of the Jehovah's Witnesses. This is, this is people that have distorted the truth. These are people that draw away disciples for themselves, right? He, he's the one that wants disciples. He has 8 million plus at the moment. But most objective thinkers of the Bible that have come out of his religion, no, they don't care about disciples. What he is doing is creating disciples for himself. You're not a disciple of Christ. He is a disciple of Christ. That is one of his teachings, that in the mediator teaching, that Jesus Christ, and you can look up more information on his mediator doctrine, the mediator is that Jesus Christ is not a mediator for mankind. He didn't die for mankind. He died for the faithful and discreet slave, him, Stephen Lett and his buddies, but he didn't die for all mankind. Yes, the Bible says that, he says, but you need to understand that that's not what it means. It means that he is, he's like a lawyer. <laughs> that's, that's, this is what the Watchtower explains. He's like a lawyer, but he's not your lawyer. You know, he's, he's their lawyer, and you can benefit from the verdict if you, just, if you follow them, which is Stephen Lennon and his buddies. But if we're deceived into accepting the counterfeit words of apostates, We'll lose our life. All right, now he's just talking trash. And apostates will give us absolutely nothing of value in exchange. Can you imagine really needing a loving shepherding visit and asking apostates to give you one? No, you can't imagine because that's not what, that's not the business they're in. The people that oppose this religion oppose them for the evil acts that they do. They oppose them because people have died for the false doctrines that you sell. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with, can you imagine? What? What, what, what kind of hypothetical is this? this? This makes absolutely no sense. So no, they're not going to come and do a shepherding call because you create the straw man argument. It's not what they. That's not what you. What they do, even the the shepherding calls that you create. That's not biblical. There's nothing in the Bible that that talks about that. The, yes, the the apostles did help people with faith. Um, yes, they try to. Uh, they you find it in the Hebrews. They try to give increase their faith to fight through all the persecution. But shepherding calls is is not part of the Bible. So what are you talking about creating the straw man argument? Similarly, we must be careful about believing everything presented in the media about Jehovah's organization. Remember, the media is commonly motivated by prejudice, hatred, and a desire for profit. False and exaggerated news reports are very common. Okay, so let's take a look at why he's going against the media here. His argument is what's called a logical fallacy here. And more specifically, this is what's called a causal fallacy. That is, informal fallacies that occur when an argument incorrectly concludes that a cause is related to an effect. So he's saying the media has gotten things wrong, so that means they've gotten everything wrong about us. Has the media gotten things wrong in the past, reports wrong in the past? Yes. That doesn't mean that everything they've said is now wrong about the things they've said about him 
and his organization. So this is a causal fallacy. But he needs to hold on to this logical fallacy because it is the only way he could poke holes at any arguments that the media makes against his religion. So are the things they've said wrong in its majority? No. In its majority, if you can fact check these, if you are an objective thinker, and you go out and you look objectively at both sides of the argument, and we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and listen to what he's saying and also listen to the other side of the story, we will understand what he is hiding. So his logical fallacy does not hold up in this case. And we know that he clearly understands that this is a logical fallacy because he says this. While it's unreasonable to distrust all secular sources of information, we must be wary. So if it's unreasonable, unreasonable, as he says, to mistrust all media information, why are you bringing this up? Why are you trying to create holes in this fact? Why do you think that using this argument against the media is going to support your argument and at the end say, although it is illogical to think that they, you know, everything they say is, is wrong. It's something else. Hearing him uh, exploit this logical fallacy because it, I know that we do understand because we do understand that this will have effect in the converts and in the members of his religion. And it's sad that he uses these logical fallacies to support his arguments, knowing the effect it's going to have. It will have an effect. But yes, it is, it is unreasonable. And what's more unreasonable is that you would bring up this as an argument. You bring up this as an argument to support your ideas of people not to listen to any negative news about you. And then at the end say, it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable to believe that all, <laughs> all reports are false. It's just, it's insanity. It's, it's almost as if he's not even trying anymore. He doesn't even care. And having no ground on which to stand on, and just in case he finds himself against the ropes, the Watchtower likes to do something, and this is a master key that they have. This is a get-out-of-jail card, and they, got, they have various, various master keys. But one that they use in arguments like this is they like to quote from the first letter of John 519 where it says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Well, Stephen Lett has translated this verse in a very particular way that says this. And he uses it, and he, he quotes it in, in this instance, because if you can't hold him to the media being correct, then you're not going to hold him to anything. And you're not going to hold him to anything because he's going to blow up everything to charades. The whole game just gets blown up. Because once you corner him and, hey, all the media can't possibly be telling lies in every single instance. All the ap apostates can't possibly tell lies or all the people affected. Some, some have found their untimely death because of your doctrines. Their living family members can't be telling lies 
uh, at least all of them can't be telling lies. He says, we blow everything up. You're just, you're not going to hold me to something. So they use the first letter of John 519 and he reads it this way in his Bible. First John 519 says, the whole world is lying in the power of the wicked one. I guess I find this verse a bit odd the way he reads it because even though it's not technically wrong, he does he skips over the first part of that verse, 1 John 5:19 where he, it says we know that we are of God. And I guess when we know that we are of God, he could have he could have read it in a way that benefits his case, but he doesn't. And he just focuses on the scapegoating that the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one, is what he says. In other verses, of the, in other Bibles, it'll say the, the whole world lies in wickedness, which is a more accurate way of rendition, but even his is not necessarily incorrect. But I find it odd that he just skim coats over what, what benefits him, which is creating this tribal mentality. The Jehovah's Witnesses love to cite this Bible in instances to demonstrate that every single thing in this world is evil except themselves. And he uses this in case you have him against the ropes, in case you show him, look, I've got these articles in, in the newspaper. I've got these articles in the media. This shows this is an objective reporter. It shows that what happened, people really died because of your doctrines. Children were really affected. You are hiding felonies. You are hiding crimes. Uh, what about the Australia, Australia Royal Commission and, and what had occurred there, what had transpired and brought spotlight to the fact that you guys have committed atrocities in uh, ratios greater than the the Catholic Church itself. What about that? Just in case this occurs, he cites 1 John 5.19. He blows up the entire game because it says, you know what? It's basically saying, you know what? Everything lies in wickedness, so you can't justify the media because it's bad. You can't justify... Uh, people that were affected because even they're bad. You can't justify newspapers and what's on the internet because everything is bad. Every just everything is bad. Okay, blah blah blah. Da, 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 game over. This is what he's doing, and this is the way he finishes his argument. Now he his part continues on about other things, but in, in, as far as what concerns apostates, people that oppose his religion for the evils that it commits. He ends right here with this uh, opaque way of, of ending his argument. You know, everything's bad, so blah, blah, blah. You can't hold me to anything. See you later. He's, he's a slippery soap. He's just, he, he can't hold him to anything. Jumping around all over the place. I can't tell you to take a look and broadcast the September broadcast, 2022. If you want, you can. I wouldn't recommend it because it's a complete waste of time. <laughs> And we have wasted enough time of each other's time looking over his arguments here. But if you do happen to have a chance and you read it, well, you're in for you're in for a treat. A lot of doozies. So thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next time. And until then, we'll see you on the next one.